Hi, this is Legend. I'm Sam. I'm Amy. And we are a podcast about cryptids, urban legends, and the paranormal. Mm-hmm. And if you can't tell, I'm sick. So, again. Yeah, again. It's never ending with <laughs> nasty germ spreading children. <laughs> but I have a question for you. Shoot. I want to know what's the weirdest dream. Yeah. I want to know what love is. <laughs> um, No, I need you to tell me what the weirdest dream you've ever had is. Okay, well, that doesn't work for me because I can't remember every dream I have. I mean, I remember because I tell you as soon as I wake up, but I can't mm-hmm. remember like on the spot. But I definitely can't remember the weirdest one I've ever had, but I have weird ones constantly. One that always pops into my head because I think it would be a very interesting book. <laughs> yeah. Was some weird like scientisty one where this scientist guy uh was married to a lady that couldn't have kids like her body was disfigured or something like that I don't remember but she couldn't have kids and he came up with a way for her to have a kid with her uterus outside of her body Ooh. but she was like in a test tube or something and she had to stay there like the whole nine months like in suspended animation and while the baby grew and then something happened and like her little test tube ended up getting broken maybe I, I don't do know. not remember you telling me this. Oh, I told you about it because then all of a sudden there's like a rabid dog or something and they like have to kill it or something like it's like it's a dog from Resident Evil or something. I don't know. <laughs> when? How long ago was this? Uh, probably a year or two ago. I'll say, yeah, my, my brain cannot retain <laughs> information. Yeah, it's an old one, but I just... If someone could figure out how to piece it all together, it'd be a very interesting book. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, it reminds me of Mr. Freeze from oh, Batman. Yeah, keeping his lady in that yeah. test tube. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's the weirdest dream you've ever had? The weirdest dream, I think, I mean, I've had, I, Amy knows, I have, when I do dream, a lot of the times very dark horrible dreams yes you do yeah which i'm not even gonna talk about on no, here that's probably not a good idea <laughs> so horrible <laughs> but the weirdest one i think i've ever had was when i was pregnant i can't remember if it was with jamie or with val i think it was with jamie but i was pregnant and in my dream i was like really pregnant And I was sitting in an art gallery and I was just sitting on this bench like against the wall and the art gallery was dark, but there was like a spotlight just on this very naked, pregnant woman, (laughs) like severely pregnant woman. And she was alive. She wasn't a statue or anything, but she was just standing there with this spotlight on her, like holding her belly. And she was just slowly turning like on a dais like in a circle and I was just observing her in this art gallery (laughs) 
Yeah. And that that's that was my weird one. They say pregnant people have a lot of weird dreams. Yep. I don't have to be with child to have them, but that would have been interesting if I would have ever had them to see what kind of dreams I had. Cause... Oh, I would be so curious <laughs> to see what you what happens. But anyway, so are you ready for the episode? I believe so. I'm you interested. You to know what it is? Yeah. Well, today I'm going to talk about Project Blue Book. Sweet. Yes. It is very interesting and oh. governmenty so <laughs> governmenty governmenty <laughs> is that a new flavor of gum very yeah <laughs> nice. delicious i'll Tastes pass like on it but stilled white men <laughs> um i'm pretty sure i've mentioned it before in a previous episode i think in the betty and barney hill episode which is episode 32 if you're interested <laughs> that back in the 1940s and 50s Probably even later than that. I'm not really sure about the timeline. The government created a campaign to discourage people from believing in UFOs. They wanted people. Yeah, they. Oh, we talked about it in the Betty and Barney Hill episode. I think in that episode, I had found that it was the 1940s. But for whatever reason, I tried to Google when that was and I could not get a good timeline so weird i'm guessing the 1940s and 50s okay the government wanted people to be ridiculed or to feel ostracized if they claimed to have seen a ufo they would often claim that people reporting ufo activity were either alcoholics or had mental illnesses they'd literally just say any reason to discredit this person in any way it sounds like the government Yep, and they encourage citizens to do the same. So, why would they do this? Essentially, from what I could find, they didn't want mass hysteria over UFOs. During the 1940s, a wave of UFO sightings had started to be reported, and at the same time, the government was concerned about the Soviet spies during the Cold War. Oh. They were trying to... Sorry, but... Have you heard all of the weird stuff going on right now? About that Chinese weather balloon? Yeah, I guess there's been a bunch of them, though. Oh, no, I've only seen the one and, like, there was, like, a picture or whatever. (laughs) I don't know if it's even true. It just was one of the TikToks. It said, a picture from the Chinese weather balloon, and it was, like, (laughs) a very rednecky American person. So, it seems that, like... The U.S. is sending fighter jets out to shoot down these mysterious flying objects. There's been, there was at least four that I know of. And they are actually sending out fighter jets? Mm-hmm. Okay, um, so that's concerning. There was the Chinese balloon that had, like, drifted around on February 4th and that was shot down by an F-22 jet in South Carolina. However, the Chinese insist that they were doing weather research. (laughs) Over America? (laughs) I mean, if they're trying to get, I guess... Trying to see how the 
patterns globally fly around or I don't yeah. know. Just interesting, weird, concerning. <laughs> but then on February 10th, a U.S. fighter jet shot down another object in Alaska. Uh, it was smaller. And I don't think they found that one yet. Or maybe oh. they just did or something. I don't remember. I don't think they found that one. Then on February 11th, there was another high-altitude airborne object, according to this article, <laughs> that was shot down over Canada. Uh, U.S. F-22 jet shot that one down, too. Mm. It was described as cylindrical and about the size of a Volkswagen Beetle. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So, are we just getting attacked by foreign governments and aliens at the same time? Maybe. Then there was, hmm. on February 12th, there was, um, Biden, I guess, told the military to down another uh, thing above Lake Huron. Ooh. It was described as octagonal, with strings hanging off of it. A kite. <laughs> <laughs> just imagine this little kid with their their kite and then a jet comes and literally <laughs> burns that it would to be shit so messed up it would be crazy <laughs> but i don't know that's that's all i've heard is just a couple objects i don't i haven't heard about any of them really being recovered except for supposedly that chinese balloon one but yeah that's the only one i've heard about that is insane and Pretty scary, actually. If we don't really know what they are. <laughs> well, anyway, yeah, but um, just you know, the government's yeah. still probably trying to lie about that. And oh yeah, I talked so. about that a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So even though, <laughs> sorry to throw you off your game, I just didn't know well, if you knew about that stuff yet. I guess no, not. that's terrifying. <laughs> even though the government had this giant smear campaign against anyone who claimed to have seen a ufo the claims kept coming people kept seeing them and kept reporting them one in particular was from kenneth arnold and he really stirred the pot we've talked about his encounter in the betty and barney hill episode also as a refresher he was a pilot and generally considered to have the first widely reported modern ufo sighting after claiming to have seen nine UFOs flying near Mount Rainier in Washington on June 24th, 1947. Wow. He's special. Yes. During the summer of 1947, a UFO sighting was asked to be investigated by the Air Material Command. And I couldn't figure out which one, which encounter it specifically was, but I'm geared to think it was Kenneth Arnold's due to his credible reputation that's just my personal guess and not fact so i mean can't tell you it sounds like a good educated guess yeah it was 1947 you know yeah, yeah. kind of lines up the government wanted to know what their recommendation so the air material commands recommendation 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 i kept saying recommendation anyways what their recommendation about what to do about the situation was 
A quote from the head of the Air Material Command, Nathan F. Twinning, states, quote, the phenomenon reported is something real and not visionary or fictitious, end quote. Yeah, if they say so. Three months later, Project Sign was created, sometimes also referred to as Project Saucer. <laughs> and I bet you weren't expecting me to say that. I bet you thought I was going to say Project Blue Book. Yes. What is Project Sign, you ask? Nope, I didn't ask. Nope, but I'm making you ask, and I'm making you find out. It was a fairly short-lived study on UFOs under the command of the Air Material Command, according to an article written by the editors of Publications International LTD. I have no idea who they are, but their article is amazing. Like, it's really in-depth, and it's heavily used in this, and I listed it in the sources. Good. Quote, By late July 1948, Project Sign investigators had come to an incredible conclusion. Visitors from outer space had arrived. They had begun with superstitions. Now they had the proof. The proof was, well, it depends on which of two versions of the story is to be believed. End quote. The article goes on to talk about the proof that they found. Around 2.45 in Montgomery, Alabama, on July 24, 1948, pilot Clarence S. Childs and his co-pilot John B. Whitted saw an object that they first thought was a distant jet that was to the right and slightly above them. They said it was moving incredibly fast, and then they claimed that it streaked past them. They described it as a tube-shaped structure with a fuselage three times bigger than a B-29 bomber's and with two rows of square windows that were emitting a white light. It was also seen by one of the passengers. About an hour later, a ground maintenance worker at Robbins Air Force Base in Georgia had claimed to see the same thing. On July 20th, so four days before this, people who were in The Hague in the Netherlands claimed to have seen the same thing as well. The Hague, by the way, is a city in the Netherlands. I'm not sure why it's called The Hague, but <laughs> apparently it is the country's administrative center and its seat of government and is described as the Netherlands' de facto capital. Just okay. in case you were wondering. I had no idea, but I am glad that you cleared that up. <laughs> well, I saw The Hague and I was like, what is The Hague? <laughs> but it's, it's a city. It is The Hague. Yep. Could you imagine if like, we had a city that had The in it? Like, the New York. That'd be weird. That'd be weird. <laughs> the Springfield. <laughs> <laughs> After these sightings, investigators could not find anything to explain it. They couldn't find any missiles or aircrafts or balloons that could be responsible for it. So Project Sign created a top-secret document that argued that this was essentially a real UFO sighting. When this document reached Air Force Chief of Staff General Hoyt S. Vandenberg, however, he shot it down and said that there wasn't enough proof and he reassigned or persuaded supporters to leave Project Sign. And I put persuaded in heavy air quotes. I'm <laughs> sure he threatened. Probably. That would be a very army or governmental 
thing to do. Mm-hmm. And that was pretty much the end of Project Sign. Okay. After Project Sign, though, wait, another. Is this where Signs, the movie, gets their name? Yeah, that's a very good guess. I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> I don't know. It seems, it seems, I don't know. It could be. It's possible. <laughs> <laughs> so after Project Sign, another project came into existence. Do you know which one? Definitely not Blue Book. Damn it! I was like, <laughs> I was gonna say Project Grudge. I bet you weren't expecting that one either. <laughs> so Project Grudge, which was started in 1948, was intended to alleviate the public's anxiety over UFOs and to basically reinforce that they weren't real and that there were logical explanations for sightings, <laughs> such as weather balloons, meteors, optical illusions, or our own aircrafts. Yeah. So basically the Air Force way of debunking what Project Sign had investigated. Mm-hmm. Sounds sounds great. Yep, it's <laughs> wonderful. Yeah. However, there were several high-ranking members of the Air Force who were very dissatisfied with Project Grudge. And that is how Project Yellow Book. nope blue book this time oh no (laughs) that's how project blue book came to be project blue book replaced project grudge in 1952 project blue book was a code name for a system for a system i was gonna say i was gonna say systemic but that's not right nice Project Blue Book was a code name for a systematic study for unidentified flying objects by the United States Air Force. So very similar to Project Sign. Project Blue Book's headquarters were located at Wright-Patterson Air Force Base in Dayton, Ohio, and was initially directed by Captain Edward J. Ruppelt. We like him. I like his name. And we like him. You'll see. We like him. Good. The name Project Blue Book was chosen as a nod to the blue booklets used for testing at some colleges and universities. According to Ruppelt, the name was inspired by the close attention that high-ranking officers were going to be giving the new project, equating the study of UFOs to being as important as a college exam final. Nice. That does sound good. Mm Mm-hmm. A fun fact about Ruppelt is it was he who coined the term unidentified flying object. He felt that the term UFO was a more neutral and accurate term instead of flying saucer or flying disc. I I agree, because Mm -hmm. not all of them are shaped the same way. Yep. Each Air Force base had its own Blue Book officer to collect UFO reports, who would then forward them to Ruppelt. Unlike Project Sign members who seem to be firm believers in UFOs, or like Project Grudge's staff, where they were clearly non-believers, Rupal expected his staff to take every claim seriously, with an open mind, but also objectively. If Rupal thought one of his staff members were too pro or too con on either side, he would fire them from the project. Ooh. So coming at this very scientifically. 
Ruppelt also had astronomer Dr. J. Allen Hynek working for Project Blue Book, who we have we have also mentioned before. Yep. He is the man who created the categorization of close encounters. So encounters of the first, second, third, etc. kind. Mm-hmm. If you're interested in that, I believe that information is also in the Betty and Barney Hill episode. And I also put your little clip in the Exeter in- incident. Yeah, there we go. During Ruppelt's time with Project Blue Book, they investigated a lot of pretty well-known UFO cases. One that was mentioned a lot was the Lubbock Lights. Have you ever heard of it? I have not. I hadn't either, which is why I chose to talk about it briefly. But this, the Lubbock Lights reminds me of the Exeter incident. Mm, Airplanes? Yeah, I don't know. Something like that. On August 25th, 1951, at around 9.20 p.m., a group of scientists from the Texas Technical College were hanging out in the backyard of the geology professor's house, Dr. W.I. Robinson, in Lubbock, when they noticed something strange in the sky. There was a V-shaped formation of 15 to 30 bluish-green lights passing above them. After the lights had disappeared, they reappeared around a half an hour later, but not in the V-shaped formation. About 350 miles away from Lubbock in Albuquerque, New Mexico, an employee of the Atomic Energy Commission's top-secret Sadia Corporation, a man who apparently had a high-level Q security clearance, whatever that means. <laughs> I think this information was meant to be a testament to his credibility. Was sitting outside with his wife, that same night when they saw a huge airplane flying silently over them. Ooh. On the edge of the wings, there was six to eight pairs of blue lights. Around an hour after that, a rancher claimed that his wife also saw the lights. He said that his wife had gone to get the laundry off their clothesline and saw what she described as an airplane without a body, but that had bluish lights on their wings. So by the time our man's Rupelt flew into Lubbock to investigate, the locals had already tried to figure out what was going on themselves. The college professors from Texas Tech had started their own investigation and had observed the lights 12 more times in the weeks following the initial incident. Wow. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, And what, like, an amazing group of people to see it. Yeah. They're all scientists. (laughs) They measured the light's angles, were <laughs> able to roughly calculate their speed, and realized that the lights always traveled from north to south. They weren't able to discover the light's altitude, though. Oh. Two photos were even able to be taken of the lights by a 19-year-old Texas Tech freshman named Carl Hart Jr. He took the picture of the lights on August 31st. Which is the same night an Air Force wife and daughter claimed to have seen a UFO while driving northwest from Matador, Texas to Lubbock. Apparently, Carl's Carl was keeping a lookout for the lights. Every time I say Carl, I want to say Carl. <laughs> Walking. <laughs> That's funny because it made me think of Carl's Jr. Oh, yeah. At first, it made me think of, um, what's his name? Earnhardt? Jr. Dale Earnhardt Jr.? Yeah, that one. (laughs) It made me think of that the first time I read it. Interesting. 
But obviously, Carl over there was keeping a lookout for those. Okay. The photos are in black and white, but pretty neat. They're the only photos that were taken of the lights, by the way, even though hundreds of residents claim to have seen them. Anyway, the cause of the lights has gone unsolved to this day. There is a theory that it was a group of plover birds. I didn't know what those were. Me so either. <laughs> plover birds. Plover. Plover? Yep. P-L-O-V-E-R. Plover. Plover. Okay, what are they? When I googled them, though, like, if you googled them, you'd instantly know them. They're the birds that are always waiting in the water. Like, at beaches or lakes, and they, like, go really fast across the water. They're not very big. They're white-breasted. They have tan on their wings. And they're usually just, like, running around, like, <laughs> waiting in the shallow, like, the water that's coming up on the beach. So when I googled it, what is a plover? They said plovers are wi- widely distributed group of wading birds belonging to the subfamily Charadrindae. Oh, nice, sir. Yeah, I don't know. There are quite a few different kinds, but the one I described to you with the white breast, the tan back—that's the one I immediately knew. And you'd know them if you saw them. Okay. I believe you. (laughs) But basically, the theory that they had was that those lights were a group of plover birds flying. And the light from the city was reflecting off of their breasts. That seems like a far stretch. (laughs) Well, Rootbolt says that he could lend some credence to that theory. But it seemed like he didn't really believe it, and neither of the witnesses who saw the lights believed it. And when I looked at that photo, if that is a legitimate photo, I definitely don't think that a group of birds (laughs) caused it. Because they look like it's pretty far up, Mm -hmm. but even though it's pretty far up, the lights look huge. Yeah. So they look too big. The lights look too big to be those little tiny birds. Yeah. That makes sense. Are there, like, is it even reflective? I mean, you can hold something white and and black and white. But, like, are the birds, like, are their feathers known to be reflective? Because just because it's white, yeah, it'll reflect some light, but not, like, not like light for someone. Yeah. For someone to be like, I see lights in the sky. Yeah. There's probably plenty of white birds that fly around at night and no one's like, UFO. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and it the V shape is just really V shaped, like <laughs> very geometric. Like, I don't know. Not like when you see a goose, v yeah, and like one is out of place or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, going back to the goings on inside of Project Blue Book, we're gonna talk about the Robertson panel. This was kind of the beginning of the downfall of Project Blue Book. In July of 1952, there was a buildup of hundreds of sightings of UFOs over the past few months. There was also a series of radar detections and visual sightings that were seen near the National Airport in Washington, D.C. This created a lot of publicity and caused the Central Intelligence Agency, you know, the CIA, 
to create a panel of scientists headed by Dr. H.P. Robertson, a physicist of the California Institute of Technology. The panel included various physicists, meteorologists, engineers, and one astronomer, our friend Hynek. <laughs> they met on January 14th, 1953, to essentially figure out what to tell the general public due to their overwhelming interest in UFOs. Ruppel and Hynek and a few other personnel presented their best evidence to the panel, which included footage from investigations, reports and other documents, and eyewitness accounts, etc. Essentially six years of their collected data. And basically after all of that, the panel said that pretty much everything had a rational explanation and that they didn't believe that further investigations into UFOs was necessary. They said that all the UFO reports were overloading the intelligence channels and was creating a risk that the government would miss an actual threat to the United States. Hmm. Interesting. I can understand that. Yeah. But I also feel like in the interest of knowledge, <laughs> like I feel like I don't feel like UFOs are an absurd thing to investigate, but I do understand national security. Um, I don't know. <laughs> they actually went so far as to recommend that the Air Force start another debunking campaign to lessen the public's interest in UFOs. Ugh. They suggested to do it through the media, specifically mentioning Walt Disney Productions. Interesting. Don't know. I, I don't know. And using psychologists astronomers and celebrities to ridicule claims of ufos and to give explanations like weather balloons airplanes blah 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 and there are claims that this debunking campaign lasted for over two decades after the suggestion wow they were really into it yeah they were and did, i want to know what walt disney did with it like i don't know I don't but feel like I was ever a- brainwashed from Disney not to believe in aliens. Right? Same. I mean, and then they did Lilo and Stitch. You know, maybe that was when they got out of their contract and didn't have to. Because wasn't, <laughs> wasn't he an alien? Wait. No, just kidding. That's not Disney. I was like, Space Jam? But that's not Disney. <laughs> <laughs> but like we were saying earlier at the beginning of the episode, this is just another good reason to not trust the media and celebrities or the government, at face value. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even before social media, it was still, don't trust them. Just like those Got Milk campaigns, that wasn't really milk. What? (laughs) It wasn't really milk? Yeah, their little milk mustaches. That wasn't really milk. No. (laughs) What was it? Makeup. Oh, ew. I don't know why, but that's disturbing. <laughs> I really like, you thought it was actually it milk. Have you ever drank milk and like really had a thick white milk mustache? I guess I just really never thought about it. <laughs> but you're right. Yeah, it's gross. <laughs> In December of 1953. The Joint Army-Navy-Air Force Regulation Number 146 made it a crime for any military personnel to discuss classified UFO reports with unauthorized persons. 
Violators faced up to two years in prison and or fines of up to $10,000. Now, I wonder why they would do something like that. I don't know. It sounds like maybe there was actually something for them to hide. Uh, Exactly. The government (laughs) is doing what the government does. Rupel left Project Blue Book in February of 1953 due to a temporary reassignment. When he returned a few months later, his staff had been reduced from 10 to 2. He was extremely upset by it and suggested that an Air Defense Command unit be charged with UFO investigations. A lot of people think that Rupert's tenure with Project Blue Book was the last genuine effort to analyze UFOs. Probably. Yeah. So after Rupert left, the Air Defense Command Unit did take over the 46th, the 2nd. I don't know how they write, how they say this. Oh, oh, maybe the 4,602nd? I don't know, but it has a, it's 4602 with ND at the end of it. So there you go. But they... They took over at first. Oh. And then Wait, later on it was the, what were they again? <laughs> it was the ten sixty six Air <laughs> Intelligence Service Squadron. I don't know why they do that, but I don't know. Yeah. It was two different air intelligence service squadrons. Mm. After Rupert, there were a few other heads to Project Blue Book, and they were all mostly there to debunk the claims of UFOs. Like, they very strongly did not believe in UFOs. They were not open-minded whatsoever, like Rupert was. They claimed that the previous scientist's research was flawed, or that basically they were per- they were perpetrating a cover-up for other shit. What other shit? I have no idea. Oh, you know, all of it. Yeah. There was one man, however, who came to be the head of Project Blue Book in 1958 who seemed to actually try to be open-minded and reverse the skepticism the other heads had created. Ironically, his name was Lieutenant Colonel Robert J. Friend. Oh, how sweet. (laughs) When Hynek saw this, he was heartened by Friend's efforts, and they organized the first of several meetings between Project Blue Book staff and... ATIC, the Air Technical Intelligence Center. Heineck suggested that some of the older UFO reports be reevaluated, but unfortunately, nothing really came of it. Yeah. I mean, did he really expect something to come of it? Mm. No, probably not. In fact, in the 1960s, there was a U.S. congressional hearing, well, there were several actually, <laughs> regarding UFOs. NICAP. We've also mentioned before, but to refresh your memory, they are the National Investigations Committee on Aerial Phenomenon. Mm -hmm. Basically, civilian UFO investigators. Anyway, NICAP publicly charged Project Blue Book with covering up UFO evidence. Project Blue Book was then investigated by the CIA and Congress. At first, this seems like a good thing. (laughs) <laughs> they ended up bit. adding yeah well they ended up adding more personnel to project blue book and gave them a bigger budget to nullify some of project blue book's critics but 
the reprieve was only temporary, and by the end of Friends' time at Project Blue Book, he thought that the project was useless and should be dissolved. Oh, that's disappointing. Even our friend Hynek turned on Project Blue Book, publicly accusing Project Blue Book of doing a half-assed job with their scientific research. I don't think he was critiquing Rupert's time at Project Blue Book. It seemed as if it, if it um, was from everyone who had taken over since. Yeah, probably. In September of 1968, Colonel Raymond Sleeper from the Foreign Technology Division had noticed Hynek's criticism and asked Hynek for recommendations on how to improve Project Blue Book. Hynek said that that had been the first time in over 20 years anyone had ever asked him for his advice or opinion on it. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And despite giving Sleeper a pretty detailed list of his grievances with Project Blue Book, <laughs> they basically took none of it to heart and didn't really make any changes. I mean, would would they really, though? No. Yeah. Project Blue Book was officially shut down on December 17th, 1969. It was announced by the Secretary of the Air Force, Robert C. Siemens Jr. He stated that it... Yeah, I know that last name is always hard to read without laughing. He stated that the reason it would be closed down was because further funding, quote, cannot be justified either on the grounds of national security or in the interest of science, end quote. I disagree about the science bit. Yeah. On Wikipedia, toward the end of their article, they state, quote, ultimately, Project Blue Book states that UFO sightings were generated as a result of, one, a mild form of mass hysteria, <clears throat> two, individuals who fabricate such reports to perpetrate a hoax or seek publicity, three, psychopathological persons, <laughs> Four, misidentification of various conventional objects, end quote. That was not Wikipedia saying that. That is what the government was saying about UFO sightings. Okay. I Thank you for clearing that, that up. <laughs> probably sounded like Wikipedia was saying that, but no, they were not. A total of 12,618 sightings were reported to Project Blue Book. 701 of them remain unidentified. Oh. According to the Air Force's own article on Project Blue Book, quote, no UFO reported, investigated, and evaluated by the Air Force was ever an indication of threat to our national security. There was no evidence submitted to or discovered by the Air Force that sightings categorized as unidentified represented technological developments or principles beyond the range of modern scientific knowledge. And there was no evidence indicating that sightings categorized as unidentified were extraterrestrial vehicles, end quote. So we clearly know where the Air Force stands. <laughs> they want none of it. No. Nah. Project Blue Book has created so many conspiracy theories that our government is covering up information on extraterrestrials and UFO encounters. A lot of the information and reports are declassified now. Mm -hmm. However, the big report that Project Sign had turned into the Air Force Chief of Staff 
at the beginning of this episode I talked about, mm-hmm. that is missing. Ooh. It was the report where they said that they had proof. And some mm-hmm. people believe that it was burned or shredded. So things like that fuel the fire to conspiracy theories. <laughs> I don't know what I believe, but I have absolutely no doubt that the government would hide shit from us. What? Like, not a doubt. I have full faith in them. They never hide anything. <laughs> and Project Blue Book is like to look into Project Blue Book. Mm-hmm. It is massive. There's loads and loads and loads and more loads of information on Project and Blue Book. Loads. And loads. And, and loads. I didn't want to have like I mean, literally, there's a TV show called Project Blue Book. I could make our entire podcast about different things about <laughs> Project Blue Book. Mm-hmm. But I tried to streamline it and just kind of give you their history and some of the weird shit that they dealt with. Um, Project Blue Book is everywhere in pop culture. There are so many documentaries on it. And then there's the TV show I mentioned. And obviously it heavily influenced the (laughs) X-Files. No. It is everywhere. So if you just type in Project Blue Book in Google, you will find something to watch on it. (laughs) So what are your thoughts? I, I don't know. I mean... I obviously think the government is hiding shit and um heard. Huh? I said heard. Oh. <laughs> like cows? You heard ca- they're they're herding I herded. Cows? I herded. Yeah, all those cows at the UFOs. <laughs> they're hurting them. <laughs> they're they're hurting them so that they can get all their probes and stuff. Right, exactly. Yeah, That's yeah. what I was gonna say. That they is, go up there. That that sounds like the government. They're always putting things where they don't belong. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. No. I feel bad for you know the like people in the beginning that like really wanted answers. Project Sign, yeah, or Rupert. Him, Rupert, yeah. yeah. He, he seems like he was pretty upset by by his little baby getting fucked. Yeah, well, it seems like he was just genuinely, like, trying to find answers and not make them up or, you know, dismiss people's claims. Mm-hmm. And the government really just wanted the claims dismissed. Yeah. But it really does make you wonder, like, why do they want them dismissed so bad like why what is it hurting they don't like try to dismiss other well i mean i guess they do they they try to say like (laughs) global warming's not real and all that stuff i was gonna say i was gonna say like they don't try to dismiss fairy tales but (laughs) (laughs) i don't know i was gonna say weren't they trying to shut down who for a while (laughs) like yeah 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 so, um, I, I think yeah, they just want people to be a little 
sheep and not question anything yeah. so they want to hurt us <laughs> they do they want to hurt us and send us into outer space and then take the probes from us <laughs> they don't want to would be so proud of this episode i hope you listen to this episode yeah yeah oh they're stupid what would you rate it i mean it's not really weird at all i mean to me i guess it's not weird the idea of aliens is like duh there's no possible way we're the only ones no way no way but then you know the idea of the government being like we need to hush everybody up and (laughs) do as little research as possible yeah i know that's that's also like duh (laughs) yeah it's just sad to think that our government does that to us yeah but i mean what government doesn't oh no 100 (laughs) percent. i think all of them do it it's just sad it is i don't know i'll rate it a three i'm rating it a five just because i think that they have stuff that they have mysteriously lost that they've lost yeah, they lost in a giant warehouse. Yep, <laughs> yep. Oh, it reminds me of when Mulder was running through the little aisles in the X-Files trying to find Scully's little chip thingy. You know what it reminds me of? I watch the X-Files. What? It reminds me of Indiana Jones. Oh. <laughs> it was in one of them. I don't remember which one. He's in a great big storage facility. I don't know. That's is it the pop- new one? Or the new er like ten years ago? The new? crystal one? Mm-hmm. The... I never saw that one, so I don't know. I don't know. It might have been. I mean, they all kind of blur together, except I know one of them, Shia LaBeoufson. Uh the one that I always remember is the one where he's running and there's the ball and there's the little data child. Yeah. Well, it's kind of impossible to forget that. Because that's my it's favorite referenced everywhere. Did you ever see that TikTok where the actor was doing it at Universal and actually like got ran over by the ball? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I did. That sucks. That does suck. Yeah. Wasn't it the same actor who played Data that played that little boy? Yeah. Okay, that's what I thought, but then I was like, yeah. maybe I'm just full of shit. I'm. I mean, I'm pretty sure that's how I remember it, at least, but. He's apparently having a big comeback right now, too. Really? On what? I don't know. I just know that I've seen him pop up being at award shows and stuff a lot lately. I mean, I love him. I think he was one heck of an adorable little kid. Yeah. yeah. But I just didn't know he was in anything as of late. I don't know if he's in anything or if he's producing something, maybe. Oh, okay. I don't know, but everyone's super proud of him, apparently. I don't fucking know. I don't care enough to actually Google it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, anyways, let us know what you think. Have you seen a UFO? Did you report it to Project Blue Book in the 1940s, (laughs) 1950s? (laughs) If you have any other stories that you want to tell us, doesn't really matter what, just spooky, creepy, what urban legends for your hometown. Let us know. And you can let us know 
over on our website at thisislegendpod.com. Then we have our email, thisislegendpod at gmail.com. And our social medias, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, all at This Is Legend Pod. Keep it spooky, classy, and sassy. But most of all, keep it legendary. Bye. Adios. Adios.